Hello, and thanks for joining us on the 20 Minute Marketing Podcast. My name is Liam from Reach Interactive. We are a UK-based company that helps businesses send SMS marketing messages to customers and key stakeholders. Today's episode is number 57 of the show. It's also our final episode of 2020. We'll be back on Wednesday, the 6th of January with our first episode of the new year. So before we get started, I just wanted to say a quick thank you to everyone that has listened to the show and supported us this year. It's been so much fun watching the podcast grow, and I know that we have some exciting guests and topics lined up for next year already. I know it will be a bit different this year, but I hope you have a fantastic Christmas and new year and all the best for 2021. With that said, I am excited to welcome back Ashley, Jessica and Jim onto the show, who are all board members at the Chartered Institute of Marketing in the Yorkshire region. All three of them joined us last week. So how are you all doing today? Good, thanks, Liam. Great to be back. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, feeling good. Thanks, Liam. Yeah, that's good to hear. Thank you for joining us again. So for anyone that is new to the show this week, we actually released an episode uh, last week too with Ashley, Jim and Jess. And that was all about branding, customer value realization, and attribution modeling. So be sure to check that one out if you haven't. This week, we're going to do a bit more of a lighthearted discussion. And again, a quick reminder that we are recording via smartphone today. So apologies if there is a bit more background noise than usual. So yeah, let's get started and continue our chat. But this time, we'll be focusing on top-level strategy and how marketers can succeed in 2021. So I'm looking forward to this episode, guys, because as I mentioned, it's the last one of the year. So we're going to keep it quite top level and open. And I've got a couple of fun things to cover. But other than that, we'll sort of see where it goes and and see what happens. So my first question is, what are some of the things that you have been doing to plan for the new year? And how can marketers prepare for what's in store next year? I think depending on your sector, these last few days in December are a great time to reflect on what you've been doing across the past year. I think when you're a busy marketer and you're you're sort of catching your tail a little bit and and running flat out throughout the year with campaigns, it's very difficult to reflect back on the successes and the the stuff that you've been working on that's been really good or stuff that you've worked on that was not so great that you don't want to repeat. So I I would take this time to, to map your successes and get ready for the year ahead by like appraising the tools that you've used, if there's any new tools having a look at trends across your sector and across marketing in general and really getting the the campaign calendar rolling uh, for the new year. What about you guys? Yeah, I would completely agree with that, Jess. It's obviously been a really challenging year for everyone across the world. So sometimes, particularly December for many people, including myself, it's appraisal season. So when it comes to appraising the team, I think it's it's great to learn from the experiences of the year, but also look at them in a really positive light, how we've developed, what we've learned, you know, and how we can move forward into 2021, hopefully with a, quite an optimistic view of the future. Yeah, I think for, for us, so our financial year runs August to July. So this time of year is us kind of approaching our half year point. Not quite, but almost. So I think, you know, December is a, a good point in time for us to kind of look back at what we've done in the first half of the year and, you know, where we need to focus going forwards, you know, how we need to maybe adjust plans or focus points to, to you know, keep driving that momentum forward to reach targets. I think Jim made a really good point about it being a, a difficult year and I think budgets have, have been a, a topical conversation as this year comes to close, especially for marketers, as it is one of the departments that's 
often seen as a cost center and we would definitely argue differently i'm sure and but it's definitely one that we get we get thrown quite a bit where can we cut corners is there anywhere that we can reduce spend and and i think for me in december i'll also be doing quite a bit of time looking at the budget and looking at what we we need to be spending next year to have the impact and if there's anywhere that or any strategies that we can have in place to look at the impact of the budget and activities to minimize spend really to build on that as well, Jess, I think it's really important for us as marketers to to kind of look back at what we have done and, and how we can, I guess, prove return on investment and prove value and impact to make sure that as we go forward and we are, you know, faced with these continued challenges of budgets and, and difficulties in markets that we do continue to kind of fly the flag for ourselves and, and show that we're more than just a cost centre. Definitely. And if you look back at, you know, some of the big brands where there's evidence of what they've done during times like this in the past, where we have maybe not a global pandemic, but there's been recessions in the past. Those who have invested in marketing and put time towards campaigns and advertising have used this as an opportunity to get a greater voice share in in their area or sector. Yeah, some really interesting points there. And one thing that I would say is that if you are doing a year end review or you're planning for 2021, then be sure to make sure that it's recorded somewhere, whether that's on a notepad or whether that's in a Google Doc or something. And make sure that if you do set top level goals, that you do put things in that plan that tell you how you're going to achieve them. So while we're on the topic of budget, I expect that a lot of people are going to have been hit with restrictions and and budgeting changes and reductions and things this year. So what are any low budget strategies or techniques that we can use in order to increase our success? I think the lockdown has been an opportunity for many uh, marketing professionals to kind of take a step back and reflect on their own skills and abilities. And it's been an opportunity for many to learn and upskill internally. One of the best ways you can kind of you know build on success using a shoestring budget is to build an internal internal skills rather than having to outsource everything. So I would definitely say use some of the resources that are available from a lot of well-known companies that we know and love, such as Google, Facebook, Apple, and use the resources, the free resources, and sometimes free exams and qualifications that are available to upskill your teams. So you don't have to necessarily rely on so much agency expense moving forward. Completely uh, agree, Jim. And it's a, it's been a great opportunity for many, like you say, to to gain qualifications as they might have had more fl- time, being flexible, working from home, or being able to take time out from because maybe not been heavy hitting campaigns during this time period. And um, as we've all been adjusting to this sort of new normal for us, working in the uh, software space and in a B two B environment, and um, content is still massively king. Building trust and authority. Um, so that all the things that come around content, such as uh, SEO optimization, make sure you've got the right landing pages in place, make sure you've got the right keywords and AdWords around the, the content that you, you push in. We're sort of moving towards sort of the pillar and cluster model, which HubSpot use, where you've got a, a pillar piece of content with cluster articles and resources around that to give us some structure for the, for the year ahead. And I think content is, is if you've got the internal resource, is a, a cheap, it obviously it takes a lot of time and consistency, but it is one of the more cost effective strategies using digital marketing techniques too. But I would say that there's a lot of a lot of people doing a similar thing and, and not to not to be phased by overcrowding, but also to think a little bit more outside of the box. And I know that some organizations are looking at different tactics to try and effectively use budget, but also cut through the noise. I've seen some things with gamification a bit more of a resurgence going back to augmented reality, which sort of came out in the 
2012 sort of time and then sort of died a death. Um, but it seems to have come back a little bit as people have looked at direct mail print, although I think that's quite difficult if people are working from home to get addresses to send things out. But I know there's, I've seen some quite successful print campaigns because people are trying to, to create immersive experiences that go a bit beyond because we can't do events at the minute, we've not been able to do events, go a bit beyond and also allow you to manage the budget effectively. So I do think that there's a, there's opportunities with virtual reality conferencing and things like that that are on the rise. That could be a cost effective because you don't need to hire a venue, for example, way of creating that impact um, from from your home, really. To build build on that, Jess, with, with content, I think, as you say, content is a, is a really good strategy and it's, it's something, you know, we, we've definitely focused on um, and I think content also can be reused and repurposed so if if you have you know a white paper or a, an article that can be repurposed into something that you know for different channels so I know we're seeing a lot on on social that people are consuming video content and that's not saying you have to necessarily you know splash a load of budget on a professional video people at the moment are quite used to seeing videos in, in, in people's you know living rooms or something that's being created, I guess, on PowerPoint and then made into a video. There are ways of, of doing that on, on more of a budget. I think that's that's really valuable and kind of looking at what you maybe already have and how you can kind of shine that up a little bit for different channels to, to keep that engagement going. Creating that sort of authentic conversation is what you're sort of saying there. I think that LinkedIn story is sort of bringing that in a little bit to break down the, the professional barrier, so to speak. I think one channel too that we haven't mentioned yet, which is quite funny, is podcasting. Uh, because podcasting provides people with a great chance to sell their products or services in a really organic and natural way without consuming too much time. So I think if you can get on an existing show that has an established audience, then it gives you a chance to promote your business organically and really naturally, while also providing people with some quality learning content too. And just following on from that as well, Google also launched audio ads recently. Uh, it's currently in beta, but I think we'll be seeing a lot more audio content, which is great news because podcasts and video talks can also be repurposed into like blog posts, quotes, short form content and more. So I think, yeah, definitely look out for that in 2021. While we are on the topic of change then, does anyone have any thoughts on how the marketing landscape has developed over the last few years? And if we're looking at things differently now than maybe we were previously before the last few years and how that's changed um, the way that we, we market to our customers. There's certainly been a resurgence of what, what, was, what were trends kind of coming back in a more sophisticated way. So podcasting, for example, has been around for a very long time. However, with, thing, with the rise of things such as voice commerce, we are starting to see a resurgence of podcasting in a more effective light and marketers starting to see the value of it rather than just it being quite what you used to be assumed quite a gimmicky tool. One that I thought was a really good point that both Ashley and Jess made was referring to uh, content marketing and, and how content marketing is constantly evolving. I think a lot of marketers are going back and, re and revising um, the tried and tested strategies because they need to evolve as opposed to simply consistently kind of digging away at it because you're simply going to get lost in the saturated saturation that is digital marketing. So SEO is a really good example, and Jess alluded to it when she was talking about um, cornerstone content. Now, ultimately, a lot of marketing professionals can very easily succeed um, in improving their SEO simply by going through all their existing content and revising it and reorganizing it into these cluster topics that Jess has mentioned. That is a much more effective way of applying a long-term tried and tested strategy, such as SEO, 
rather than trying to start from scratch. Because I think moving forward with digital marketing, just going down the assumption of blasting everything as hard as you can, finding every single keyword, for example, and trying to rank for it, is simply not going to be effective enough moving forward. I think you really need to isolate it and look at it more from the, the expertise, authoritativeness and trustworthiness cycle. To sort of evolve what you've just said there, Jim, I also think that because of the way that digital marketing has evolved over the last three to five years, I think we've got greater scope to to reach a wider, much wider audience than ever before, to be able to scale quickly, to be able to move fast, to get new content out there and, and mobilize quickly. But like you said, to, to revise cornerstone topics and, and bring back content that's still valuable that you might have produced and not to try and reinvent the wheel. There's only so much you can say about certain topics. So putting a fresh slant on it, you know, looking at it from a 2021 eyes, for example, is really important. But also we, we now have more data and insight than ever before, probably too much data and insight, really, than we know what to do with. So we can be more targeted with that content. We can be, you can tailor it for different audiences and be make it more bespoke, but but still have lots of different variations of it that suit the audience. For example, doing optimization tests on landing pages and changing, you know, subject lines, buttons, forms, pieces of content, and what's shown when people land on those pages, so that we can be create that more immersive, tailored experience for people. I think audience attitudes have changed as well. So people are really used to, like, for example, using Amazon and finding a product and finding these are other things that you might be interested in. And I think they kind of expect the same kind of experience um, with, with companies. So they want, you know, they want websites that they can navigate really easily or they're just going to bounce. They want, um, you know, content that they can consume and get to the point quickly and then find other things that are of relevance to them. So I think this is, a you know, an opportunity for businesses to kind of do an audit on their touch points you know website being one of them doing that audit looking at it from the customer point of view who is this actually for and how easy is it to use and consume as a consumer not just looking at it with the lens of the business on it yeah absolutely interestingly when it comes to uh, consumer attitudes i think there's a massive expectation now or at least an assumption that businesses will not solely focus on a product orientated campaign um, you are starting to see a lot more, a lot of businesses moving towards reaching out on wider community issues as opposed to just solely focusing on their product. And that seems to be very well received, particularly by younger demographics on social media. I think you've all given us something to think about, especially around content that we're putting out. There's so much noise on socials and search engines now that we really do have to think about our content strategy and, and what we're putting out there. So moving on to a generic question, do you have any thrifty marketing tools that might help listeners, as well as maybe one exercise or tactic that you couldn't do without when you're doing your daily jobs? I'm probably quite boring in terms of using tools. I still love um, pen and paper lists, to be quite honest. Um, but we do use um, Trello. I've used Jira in the past and, and things like those tools to, to collaborate cross-functionally because um, it's so Im important that you work with all different departments across the business. Um, as we've talked about, marketing touches all different departments from the employee experience through the HR department through to, to sales and, and post post-sales care support teams 
So it's really important that you've got visibility and transparency across the, the business. So I'd say using tools like that can, can help to, to manage tasks and workflow so that you can effectively communicate um, between each other. And in terms of um, an exercise or a, or a tactic that I can't, I can't live without, I mean, time spent planning is never wasted. And I would always advocate people spending a bit more time on thinking about what they're going to do for the year ahead. It's really important to take that time out and not just start the year running headfirst into campaigns, reflecting back at what you've done previously and taking the time out to map where you're heading this year. Uh, I would always advocate documenting it because I think it's good to have a bit of a structure in place, even if it's just a high-level campaign um, calendar. It gives you a bit of a structure on what you set out to do, what you thought was the right thing to do, reflecting on the back of the past year and um, going forward. So planning um, never fails me. Okay, for me, I think um, a thrifty marketing tool that we use quite a lot is um, is Canva. So for really quick things like creating an image for LinkedIn, it's really easy for me just to use that tool to kind of all overlay images and create something that just really quickly fits into LinkedIn. So um, I know we, we use that quite a lot in our team. Um, so that's just a little um, nice thrifty tool there. An exercise or tactic I couldn't do without. I mean, it's not it's not an exercise or tactic per se, but a CRM system. Literally, I couldn't do without the data on there, the pipeline insights, the customer insights, all that all that stuff that I think I'd just be stabbing in the dark when I was planning without it. I always go back to using good old Google Analytics when it comes to a tool. Um, I think it's sorely underused uh, by many marketers. To say it's a free tool, the insights that you can obtain from it are incredibly deep. Also, when it comes to integrating with other Google tools, such as the Search Engine Console and Google Ads, you can utilize the audience analytics and the audiences that you can build in Google Analytics into the other Google tools. Now, with Google owning about 80% of the search market, it's always a go-to tool for me. Um, in terms of techniques, so this is the kind of planning time for us as well. And um, one of the strategies that I always go back to just to make sure that my uh, marketing plans are aligned is the Sostack framework. Um, I really do recommend the Sostack framework uh, by PR Smith. Yeah, I've really enjoyed hearing all of your predictions, favorite tools, your brand alignment tips and, and everything that you've shared during this episode. I'm going to ask you one final question that is super lighthearted and um, hopefully we have a bit of fun with this one. But do you have a favorite marketing campaign of 2020 um, that you've seen this year and maybe why you've chosen it? So my favorite campaign of 2020 has been the Joe Wicks exercise routines that he's been doing while people have been in lockdown. I just think the motive for this has been absolutely incredible. And I know a lot of people that have responded to it, families, single adults, single parents have all really, really looked on it fondly. I think from a, from a business perspective, it's really boosted Joe Wicks's presence in terms of his brand awareness um, but ultimately I think the motive of it was just absolutely fantastic and I applaud him for his efforts. My, my campaign is also exercise related so um, it's the This Girl Can campaign which which came back um, this summer and I just really like that campaign so it's Sports England it's it's showing you know real women of different ages different diversities in normal everyday situations doing exercise and getting out there and it's, I just find it really inspiring and it's something that I can relate to like somebody like laying on a couch and literally being dragged off it into the cold it's just I think it's a really powerful campaign and it went across so many different mediums so you know tv social media 
it got people involved with images, added in their own text onto it, and billboards, posters, they went into cinema. I just think it's a really powerful campaign. I'm going to go completely opposite with non-exercise, but I really quite like when people do go back to a little bit of like wild and random <laughs> guerrilla marketing. And I really liked the 50th anniversary celebration for Iceland where they sent a chicken nugget into outer space. I just think it's completely wild and a bit random, but I, I love things like that that are just a bit outside of the box. Yeah, I'm actually going to follow on from yours, Jess, with a food-related example that was also guerrilla marketing. So one campaign that jumped out on me was Burger King. So what they essentially did is they gatecrashed Twitch. And instead of paying thousands of pounds or dollars to sponsor influencers on who were streaming on Twitch, they used the donate button and paid around three to five dollars per donation. So what happened was they had a robotic voice message that appeared on popular gamers feeds and it would read out offers and, and details about Burger King's upcoming burger sales or, or different milkshakes and things like that. And it didn't particularly go well um, down very well with the gaming audience who are seeking high value sponsors, but they got their offers and items in front of a huge audience. We're talking hundreds of thousands, if not more, for a very low cost. So I thought that that was a very intelligent way of doing things, despite what the gaming industry sort of thought of uh, that campaign. So with that said, we are going to close out this week's episode with one quick question that I'll be asking to Jim, Ashley and Jess. So stay tuned. So we usually finish episodes with two questions that I ask. We've split them across both episodes. Last week, I asked Jim, Jess and Ashley to share their favorite marketing resource that can help us with our daily tasks. And this week, my question is, do you have a fun or memorable story that jumps out at you all when you look back at your career? So mine's sort of linked to my favorite campaign of the year. And I ran a campaign a few years back where I actually sent a Lego man to outer space. And it sounds really glamorous. And I thought it was going to be this sort of defining moment when actually what happened was a complex series of air traffic control issues because I was nearly going to take a plane out at Leeds Bradford Airport and trawling through farmers fields to find the GPS tracking device of where it landed so it wasn't quite as cinematic um, as I was anticipating but the footage in the end did really cut the mustard. The, the most awkward moment in my marketing career has to be quite an early early campaign when I worked in education marketing. We were shooting some videos for each school within the multi-academy trust in Greater Manchester. And we were using a drone to get some aerial footage. And the apprentice who was responsible for maintaining the drone forgot to change the battery between two of the aerial shots. And it ran out of power halfway across a lake and uh, nosedive into a lake. Um, and it was about a £10,000 drone. So incredibly awkward, but I must admit, I look back now quite fond because it was really funny. Mine is an embarrassing story at my own expense. <laughs> um, so this was about, um, I'd say, 10 years ago. So I was working in a PR firm and I'd gone into a little office with a door on it, holding a laptop in one hand and a cup of coffee in the other. And I had to kind of balance the door on my foot and I stumbled and fell and landed in a kind of recess on the wall directly in front of the CEO and my manager's desk, so they're both staring at me. And I just kind of folded underneath myself, trying really hard not to cry in pain. But the coffee and the laptop were exactly where, where I was when I stood up. I hadn't dropped either of them. <laughs> Quite proud of that. And I think that was the early wake-up call in my career not to multitask. Yeah, those are definitely some really funny stories, and, and they did make me smile. 
So thanks for sharing them with us. We are going to close out this episode right here. So that wraps up the second and final episode of our session with Ashley, Jess and Jim, who have joined us from the Chartered Institute of Marketing on the Yorkshire board. Thank you to all three of you for joining us on the show. I've had a lot of fun chatting with you and we'll be back in 2021 with more great episodes. So I'll see you then. And in the meantime, have a great Christmas and New Year.